It's the Sunday Chronicle on Stax 92.1. It's the Sunday Chronicle. We gon' give the news and keep you up to date. From crimes to the politics, you gon' know what's up about your way. We give two thumbs up to everyone out here doing their thing. We gon' show men love to all the ones working hard in communities. It's the Sunday Chronicle. Good morning and welcome to the Sunday Chronicle. I'm your host, Giannis Jackson, coming to you from Stax 92.1. This is the platform for the community because community knows what community needs. Today, I would like to welcome a special guest, and I'm very excited to have her here. Her name is Miss Emily Devendorf. And we're going to chat with her today about some of the things that she's doing in the community, her passions and what she wants to do, you know, a few years from now and, and where, where she sees herself in the future. She uh, comes to here, comes to me and she is very passionate about community. So I'm very happy to have her here and I'm going to let her introduce herself and, and talk. So I take it away, Miss Emily. Yes. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm, I'm really excited about it. This show in particular what you said, um, where community knows what community needs, is core to uh, how I really feel everything should be done. Um, so that is that is part of why I really love that we're talking to you today. Um, oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's that that is how I root my value system. Um, what how I decide what I'm going to to focus my time on. Um, my background is in social justice and human rights um i am uh so, so social justice yes, I, and i yeah, and i don't yeah. mean to interrupt i just yeah. like to when i hear that term yeah. it, it just it just stirs something up yeah. on the inside of me so so tell me about social justice and your definition your picture of what social justice is and how you will move forward in regards to people receiving social justice Absolutely. Well, for me, it is the fight for the most basic logical needs mm -hmm. that we all should have access to. So we should have a right yes. to certain things yes. such as our most basic rights like health care, yeah. like a living wage, like the recognition of our equal humanity under the law and it being reflected under the law. Um, in in all of our legislation, in the Constitution, in the way that we are covered by our protections, and that is for all of our community members, yes. um, regardless of who you are, regardless of who you love, regardless of your skin color, regardless of where you come from. When we talk about basic needs, I always think about this pyramid. And, and, and when you get you get to know me, you know I talk about this pyramid, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Are you familiar with that yeah, pyramid? Yeah. And I think about helping people secure their basic needs. So I'm a visual learner. So when you say social justice, mm -hmm. that's what I think about. I think about meeting the needs in that core, in that triangle, those first, you know, one or two layers of things. And, and when I talk about those basic needs, air, food, water, safety, um, uh, mental health, health care in general. Yeah. So are these the types of things that you are talking about? Yes, ab absolutely. Okay. Unfortunately, yes. when people aren't recognized uh, in their full humanity, uh, and we know that 
all of the communities impacted by oppression in our in our country are not. Mm-hmm. They are not given uh, full protections in terms of what we call civil rights yes. in our country, which means uh, protections from discrimination in housing, discrimination in, in employment, discrimination in, in public ac- accommodations. We know that this relates to race, this relates to sexual orientation, this relates to um, immigration. But all of those things, when they intersect, impact our access to food, impact the way our governments works with us when it comes to our children and whether we can keep our children. It really affects every part of our lives. But I also look at it the way the labor movement does um, when there was a phrase uh, way back in the day when uh, when women's rights um, started to really gain steam and the phrase bread and roses came about. Okay, And they said we 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 want we are fighting for the bread and the roses, which is to say the base, the very essential needs to survive but also that nobody should have to just have the bare minimum. Yes, that is that is key. I was uh, that that just um, I recall a conversation I had with um, someone from Happen Dance, and my uh, instructor that I know there that I come to know her, and she does a lot in the community, and she you know teaches people. They have scholarships for people that wouldn't normally take dance classes, ballet, and those sorts of things. And she dedicates her time to that because she feels like everyone should have access to the finer things in life, right? That makes a difference, right? So not only is the core basic needs met, but you start to move up that pyramid, right? Mm -hmm. And become a more productive person for yourself, your family, and the community, Right. right? And so that's what I think about when I when I work to help people secure their basic needs, right? And when we can go beyond that, I believe that we get out of a survival mode, right? That's when we become productive, right? That's when we think about more than self because we have the capacity to do so. Not to say that we don't, but in my experience, it's less likely to think about others if I'm trying to just survive myself, me and my family. So, with that, you know, I do certain things as like uh, my specialty is food access, mm-hmm. right? And if I don't have a way to help someone meet their basic needs, someone who reaches out to me, and th- that's when I pull on someone else I know in my network and help connect them with a resource, whatever that be. W- Emily, what are some of the things that you're doing to help with uh, that, not only that core, mm-hmm. food, water, safety, but moving up that pyramid to self-actualization or, or in other words, knowing who I really am as a person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I also want to, to go back to something you said. When we say finer things, that definition is different to those who have privilege and those who don't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Weekends used to be considered uh, a finer thing. But we know that they're essent- we know that time off is essential to our mental health. Yes. That they're indeed. essential to being able to continue to function. We know that folks who are impacted by oppression are more likely to ha- to have strokes to, to earlier earlier in in their lives to, yes. and um, and when you have to work two or three jobs, you're impacted by all kinds of health issues yes. and it affects the rest of your family life and your ability to access all kinds of other resources. Right. Um, yes. so so really what we consider finer things if you are in a community that is marginalized are things that are, can be taken for granted and are just daily life for those folks who are who are of privilege. Yes. Um, so the roses 
are not pie in the sky things yes. for for communities that that are struggling. Um, uh, so so I also feel like the bread and the roses, they're all basic when it comes down to it. The roses are also basic as well when it comes to our mental health, when it comes to our our surviving and our striving. Um, so with that in mind, as I have worked through through my career, um, which you know I've, I've been doing. Uh, social justice work since I was a teenager. I started out working on racial justice. Um, I got to college and I was working in both racial justice and uh, LGBT rights. And then I was in the the legislature and I, I was working on policy and I moved into working on housing policy because it was the middle oh, of the foreclosure mm-hmm. crisis. Um, so I ended up working on the legislation that became the foreclosure lifeline legislation oh, wow. that helped people stay in their, in their houses longer. Um, because the best way to keep people from struggling with houselessness is to ensure they never have to leave their house in the first place. Right. Um, right. Like we do so much to talk about building new affordable housing, but we don't invest enough in making sure that landlords aren't understanding that people end up in situations where they are at risk of losing their housing in the first place Mm -hmm. or several different kinds of circumstances and need to stay there because if they get kicked out, their likelihood of being able to rent again is mm-hmm. very, very, very low. So you're well-versed in policy, um, and, and that's one one area yeah. um, I believe, you know, I, I myself want to get, I want to be more uh, well-versed in that area. I know it takes some work, yeah. but since I am not where I would like to be, I depend on people such as yourself to help analyze these things right i know so much i can do so much with my skill set when it comes down to policy i know that i want to lean on someone that i am confident enough in to analyze and represent me so i want to we're going to take a short break but uh, when we come back i want to dive a little bit deeper into what you're doing to help represent people to help move along the uh towards the goal of social justice it's a moving breathing thing right and it evolves as we do when times go on right and and to to keep it relevant and so i just want to talk about that when we come back from break but before we leave i I just want to say that this is Giannis jackson i'm your host of the sunday chronicle heard here on stacks 92.1 and we'll be right back i'm the type to dance to her very own beat ask me where i am probably someone singing around my way they call me jingle queen because i sing about everything And welcome back to the Sunday Chronicle. I am your host, Giannis Jackson, coming to you from Stacks 92.1. And today, our guest is Miss 
Emily Devendorfin. She is here to talk about her community passions and the way she wants to move the needle on social justice. She's going to talk a little bit more about her endeavors, her goals, and where she sees herself in three to five years. So, Emily, let's talk a little bit more. Let's dive deep. What are some more of the things that you're doing as far as, as social justice is concerned in the uh, in the area of uh, Michigan and, and the U.S. and throughout? Yeah. So since I I left the statewide organization um, that advocates for LG, LGBT folks, <clears throat> excuse me, I had been doing independent civil rights consulting for a while up until the summer of George Floyd. And okay, so independent civil rights consulting. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, just a, give me a little blurb about what is independent civil rights consulting. Yeah, so it, it's kind of a made-up term for when when you <laughs> when you have accumulated a certain amount of knowledge and relationships, um, and people have come to be able to call on you to help to respond to hate crimes, mm-hmm. to train on how to recognize bias incidents. Oh wow. Um, uh, work on uh, developing task forces and rapid response plans. I helped to develop a statewide uh, rapid response and preparedness protocol for K-12 schools on on bias incidents and um, how to respond to an, a, an incident as it happens and then okay. how to help a community heal in, in uh, the post period. Um, and I have done. Do you dabble any in like restorative justice at all? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And actually, that is that is a very strong value of mine when it comes to, especially right now, as we are acknowledging, and I hope with more education, we will we will get to the place where more people will be able to acknowledge that our carceral systems and the way policing functions. Um, does not work in the mm-hmm. way that that we envision that we would like it to. I like the concept of uh, restorative justice, mm-hmm. and um, and the way I picture it as uh, somewhat of a, a mediator going between two parties where one or they've done each other harm, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe a victim and the person who has committed the crime, right? Mm-hmm. And so instead of leading with punishment or uh, incarceration, it can be a a supplemental thing, right? Where the parties learn the outcome and how they affected one another and works towards some type of resolution. Am I correct? Is that some of the work that you do? That is one of the ways that restorative justice can manifest uh, in in a system if if a carceral system is still being used. Mm -hmm. Also, survivors of a Violent crime can request that restorative justice alternatives or um, plans can be considered instead of sentencing. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, if you become familiar with restorative justice or the process of looking at an open dialogue about how somebody has been impacted by somebody else's actions and having a conversation about how the person who has been impacted would feel that justice would be served mm-hmm. and healing could be done, it can be applied to just about anything. Mm-hmm. It can be applied to environmental justice. Yes. It can be applied to if a polluter is uh, responsible for, uh, for a spill and 
yeah. was and and did not clean it up and doesn't have the money to clean it up. It could be between two siblings. Yes. Right. Okay. So so with that being said, I, I want to. I, I, a little birdie told me something about you. Are you running for a position? I mean, I didn't want yeah. that to be the focal point, yeah. but I, I want to hear about this. Is this? Is the, I want to know about your run here. Yeah, <laughs> I I am. I'm running for the House of Representatives in the 77th House District. Is this new? This, this is, is a new, brand new rezoning, district. right? Yeah. Okay. So this is North Lansing, uh, DeWitt, and part of Grand Ledge. Okay. So it is a new district, and it's it splits up Lansing at 496. Okay. And you, do you, you reside in Lansing? Yes. And who are your opponents? So I, I reside right in downtown Lansing, um, right off of Center Street, downtown. Okay. Um, and I, I, I entered the race, actually, because... Um, later than the other folks um, in March mm-hmm. when I heard of who else was in the race. And after some due diligence and calling around and, and finding out how the community felt about the other folks in the race and whether there were other other um, individuals that might be interested in running or if the community had another leader in mind that wanted to step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have John Horford from... Uh, Grand Ledge and Logan okay. Byrne from DeWitt after coming from Lapeer. Okay. And so Logan has been in the district for about five years or so because okay. uh, he came for law school. And John has been here since March. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, you know, I take my hats off to all yeah, of you yeah. because I know when you open yourself up uh, to do these types of things, you open yourself up to criticism for any reason. Right. Yeah. So I, I commend you for that. I commend your opponents for that. And, um, you know, I will uh, look forward to talking to them as well on their views and, and such. Um, so tell me about your platform. And when I say platform, you know, your vision and how you plan to make a difference, um, you know, uh, not lip service, but what are the actual things that you're going to do to change things and to represent people and to make it palatable, palatable for them or to make them able to receive your message that that, that's good there. And this is where (laughs) we get back to the community knows what the community needs. Yes. So I decided to run because I really felt it was important that somebody from the district be in the race for representing the district. Yes. Okay. Because I have always believed strongly that the community knows what the community needs. Okay. And it is essential, necessary, it is absolutely necessary that you be in relationship with the folks in the community who are impacted by the policies that will be made. But Mm -hmm. not just in relationship with the folks impacted, not just in relationship, but that you understand and have been impacted as well by what's happening in the community, that you be a neighbor, that you be a voter, that you have been working on the ground Mm -hmm. enough to to feel what is happening um, so that you will know the folks to have in the room who will be able to say, these are the loopholes, these are the gaps. And because these are the loopholes and these are the gaps, this is what is missing. This is the solution. Mm -hmm. Because no one of us, not one individual, not one elected official, can know everything. Right. No, nobody can any in any job can know everything, but you should know who to go to for the answer. Yes. And when it comes to especially those folks that are most vulnerable, those most impacted by oppression, they are the they are the only ones. They are the only ones that can tell you what they need. 
and the only ones that can tell you what the solutions are to the issues that are most affecting them. So my platform didn't come about until I actually talked to the folks about what it was they were interested in. Very nice, very nice. And and, and that's that's good to know. There are actually some people that do poll people in the community to see what their concerns are before they even run for a position, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to, to say, um, well, these are the main concerns. What can I do and how can I address it? And what position would I best be suited in to represent a people to speak and be their voice? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to speak for myself. I like to say in my experience, because then no one can say, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> in my experience, I it, that's the wise thing to do before um, going about, a certain platform and you know I want to close in saying since our time is near that I really um, am happy that you're a guest today this is a it's a, a great thing to be able to talk to you about your policies and and, and so we're yeah. going to go to a small break but not before I remind you this is Giannis Jackson I'm your host of the Sunday Chronicle heard here on Stax 92.1 and we'll be right back I'm the type to dance to her very own beat Ask me where I am, probably somewhere singing Around my way they call me Jingle Queen Because I sing about everything I just do it, Nike Have it your way, Burger King Snap, crackle, pop, the Rice Krispies Maybe it's me You should call me the Jingle Queen When you're in need of dope melody you should call the Jingle Queen when you're in need. You should call me, call me the Jingle Queen. Oh, you should call the Jingle Queen. www.lorepen.com. That's L-A-U-R-E-P-E-N.com. Welcome to the Sunday Chronicle. I'm your host, Giannis Jackson. Today, our guest is going to be Mr. Logan Byrne. And I want to say it's Esquire, correct? Yeah, I I like saying that. It's so fancy. I have to say that. I mean, why not use the letters? If you earn the letters, I say use them all the way. I got a few letters behind my name. I don't use them all the time, but I think it's really cool in print. (laughs) And so (laughs) I like to list them, right? And so I want to thank you for your time, Logan. Thank you for getting back to me. And um, Logan is running for uh, state representative of of, Texas. Michigan. And I'm going to let him introduce himself and talk about the district and, and what, what he's running for. But more importantly, the things that he um, has done as far as community endeavors, where he sees himself five years from now, so on and so forth. But this is, you know, the time that I just want him to shine and, and let the community know what, you know, what he stands for and who he is. So so go ahead, uh, Mr. Byrne Esquire, take sure. it away. <laughs> Hi, well, first, thank you for having me. Um, it's pleasure. great to be here. Uh, my name's Logan. Like you said, uh, I'm running in the 77th district. 77th district. And yep. what does that cover? Is that That's new, mm-hmm. correct? The boundary? and the lines are are, are new. So tell us a little bit about that change. Yep. So actually, when I started running, it was the 93rd. Okay. Uh, I started back in July before redistricting. Um, So I watched the district change a whole Mm -hmm. bunch uh, before it was finalized in January-ish. And now the new district includes northern Lansing, pretty much everything north of 496, Mm -hmm. with the 120, roughly 127 and Waverly being the cutoff on either side. Okay. And then you have 
about a third of Clinton County. You have DeWitt mm-hmm. Township, the city of DeWitt, over to Riley, and then all the way up to Westphalia, and you kind of grab that whole corner of Clinton County, the whole um, southwestern corner. Okay. Um, and then the city of Grand Ledge and a couple of precincts in Oneida Township okay. and Eaton County. So it's three counties. Wow. Three very unique, uh, distinct areas yes, that um, when they were redistricting, like, you know, they wanted to make them communities of interest. And okay. it feels like a, a little bit of a strange district because a lot yes. of the communities don't have a, a lot to do with each other. And they're very um, different economically and yes. uh, very diverse. Um, but it's made it a very interesting district to run in. And I, um, I like to think that I would be good representing it because I fit into a lot of those, the different sectors from the different parts of the community um, to talk about why I guess why I decided to run in the first place is I, I never really had political aspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, most of my background is advocacy work, done a lot of work with immigrants, uh, victims of domestic violence, human trafficking. And I tried to keep politics as far away as possible from that yes. work because it was already political in nature right. and I, it was already hot button. I didn't want to make it anymore controversial than it already was. Um, but 2020 was kind of a turning point for me where I decided more young mm-hmm. professionals mm-hmm. need to step up and take leadership positions. So I didn't decide to run in 2020, but I decided to become more politically active mm-hmm. and started being active more in the local Democratic Party in Clinton yeah. County because I live in DeWitt Township right okay. on the border of Clinton and Ingham. Okay, okay. And um, started writing like articles for the newsletter and writing op-eds for the LSJ, the Lansing State Journal and different publications and um quickly realized that the party didn't have a candidate to run in, oh, okay, <laughs> in the okay. old 93rd before redistricting because it leaned slightly Republican. Okay. Um, and it was a rural area, but they kind of, you know, pressured me and asked me all summer if I wanted to run because they knew I was, you know, young and motivated. So this wasn't on your radar. It was then. not, not on my radar. Okay. No. Okay. And then finally in July of last year, I was like, yeah, I'll jump in, I think, July 21st, and I just dove in head first. That's awesome. Yeah. that's. I take my hat off to you. Anytime someone can open themselves up to criticism <laughs> in that way, as yeah. far as running for office, I have to clap my hands. <laughs> I've run for office a couple times, and I realize that my life was no longer my own when I ran for office. And, you know, I got asked very, very uh, personal questions yeah. and all types of things. I My life seems just like it was on blast. And yeah. so, <laughs> I says, you know, Sometimes I thought people just woke up and just because it was Tuesday, they would harass me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, Facebook, having that space and, and um, you know, pretty mm-hmm. much anybody being able to access you and say what they want to say. Yeah. Take some thick skin, right? Yeah. And I would consider myself an introvert. Ah, and, before, okay. and so <laughs> before I started running, you know, the idea of going and like knocking people's doors and just meeting complete strangers. Is that scary and, like, to you? Was it was it very scary at the beginning, but frankly, it's become one of my favorite things to do. That's I, awesome. I, I love meeting people and I've. I think I had some preconceived notions of like how aggressive people would be at the doors and um, but most people just want to have a conversation and most people are good people. And that's been my experience in all different parts of the district, all three counties. Um, So it's been a overall, I'd say it's been a great experience. Um, I think it's made me grow as an individual and as an advocate. And um, I think I'm the better for it, regardless of what happens with the election. And I'm hoping that my campaign, no matter what, will force, um, politicians that actually listen to the people in the community because my campaign's completely donor funded. Uh, we don't have any PAC money. Wow, um, it's awesome. all individual donations, probably averaging around 20 bucks, a, 20 bucks a pop. We raised about almost $17,000 that way. Very good. Uh, yeah. And so it's really, you know, it's a very grassroots mm-hmm. campaign. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's all about And, and explain voices. grassroots because sure. someone asked me this, right? 
And, yes. and I can tell you what I think it means. Uh-huh. But somebody asked me, well, what is grassroots? And I'm yeah. like, oh, my goodness. And it was a, it was someone that had run for office before. Yeah. You know, I'll, 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 you know, you know, omit the name. But, <laughs> sure. but, but you know, I was just kind of like, wow. I mean, I think of grassroots as, you know, not uh, accepting some types of contributions and really getting on the ground and, and connecting with people. Mm-hmm. I, but I mean, it goes beyond that. But but give me your definition yeah, of grassroots. When, when I think of grassroots, I think about really meeting people on a face-to-face one-on-one level Mm -hmm. um, and spending that, I guess, that extra time and effort to hear what their needs are and what they care about. And it's less about like pushing what my beliefs are and what my position is and more about listening to each individual and trying to figure out what does the community actually need. And so it means spending more time in the community and less time with lobbyists uh, or big political donors. It's it's more about listening to the people that aren't typically listened to. Um, And I think that's what politician's job is and somehow mm-hmm. somewhere we went astray and um i wish every campaign was i guess a grassroots campaign and you didn't yeah. have to specify um but i think it's really just my definition is listening to the people talking to the people and making that the priority not making um i guess becoming a famous politician or raising an insane amount of money as the priority of the campaign yeah. getting elected shouldn't be the priority representing people should be in comparison, I, I'm thinking about mm-hmm. w- the questions that you're asked at the door mm-hmm. from the, the uh, constituents and the questions that you're asked at forums. Mm-hmm. How similar are they? Usually not very. I, there's some topics that mm-hmm. there's a lot of crossover, like reproductive freedom. Yes, a lot of people yes. are talking about right now. Yes. Gun violence, a lot of people are talking about. Um, but when I'm at the doors, most of the issues that you know, are those, and then it's education, and it's infrastructure stuff. It's jobs and infrastructure. And so, yeah. you know, I'll talk to people in Lansing. I'll be like, what's a you know, major priority for you? And they'll point at the road. I'll be like, Have you seen the, you know, yeah. the road I live on? Yeah. I can't even drive down my road without like getting a flat tire. Um, yeah. And, you know, which that's, is a shame with it being the capital. That's, that, and, that's yeah. pretty bad because I'm, you know, I, I'm not bragging about having 20 inch wheels, but I mean, they're pretty big. And yeah. they, I, you know, I've had some pop tires. I've had mm-hmm. some some bent rims and whatnot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> wheels. You would, you would think, yeah, a little more. Uh, funds money would be allocated to making sure that the capital of the state is taken care of and mm-hmm. kept up at a reasonable standard and you know a lot of people in lansing don't feel that it is and i would agree, i would have to agree with them um and that's w- one of the big things they talk about and education you know is another one you know, making sure that their kids you know, get a quality education and that the money that they're paying in taxes isn't going you know the fund of private school or charter right. school that it's going to their community to make sure their kids get an education um, and really, it comes down to, I think, these, these kitchen table issues that um, I like to call like prioritizing working families. Like if you're a working family, you know, I grew up blue collar on a family farm. Mm-hmm. And when you're working hard like that, you shouldn't have to come home every day and worry about where's money going to come from for yes. food? Where's money going to come for, you know, gas, electricity? When you're working, you know, 70, 60 hours a week, it's, it's really unreasonable that that's a concern. And that's I think, where most people are. Yeah, I mean, and that is a real issue. Mm-hmm. That's a real issue to work uh, more than one job to mm-hmm. just maintain a, not even a basic standard of living, yeah. you know, to just trying to make ends meet and um, just um, having a bar set so high where n- not knowing where to reach it in regards to, li- to to living, you know, if you have to 
um, work more than you have time to even, you know, do anything else. I, I think about, uh, sometimes where, um, you know, some people are barely getting any sleep, you know, just to pay the bills. And with that type of lifestyle, how can one come out of survival mode? You know, how can one be productive if they're thinking over and over, okay, I got to make rent or mortgage. I got to eat, but I need to pay my insurance and, and things like that. So, so progressing past a certain point really becomes a challenge. Yeah. And it, and it, it takes toll more on than just like the checkbook, right? It yes. hurts their, their health. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're constantly in survival mode, you're you know, always in, you know, fight or flight mode and your yeah. body is in high stress and it shortens the length of your life. Yeah. And it, you know, children see when their parents are always stressed about the bills and it's yeah. hard on families and it tears families apart. And, um, it's really, you know, you know, the United States and Michigan, Michigan used to be this you know, major manufacturing hub and yes. we've seen some of that coming back to Lansing, which is a good thing. And we should be, you know, working on that as well. Um, but it, these issues shouldn't be as prevalent as they are. Right. And that, the United States, and unfortunately, that's where we are, we're at, and we need to make some real change. What types of things do you uh, think we can do um, from your, you know, if you are elected in this seat to the seat, mm-hmm. what types of things could we do to diversify uh, jobs and, and funding so the common person has access to them? And, and mm-hmm. maybe, you know, uh, the ones that don't have uh, digital access that, you know, uh, what are just off the top of your head? What are some of the things? You well, think I think about? we should be making more of an emphasis on um, skilled labor. Yes. Um, and teaching more of that in high school and yes. getting people certified because those are some the trades. Uh, yeah, yes. incredibly high paying jobs that are and they're looking needed. for people. Correct. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I see billboards. Yeah. I see you know with our our local unions. I see that they need people mm-hmm. and especially people of color. Yeah. I mean, so does that. Uh, fall under uh, some of the responsibilities of a state rep to work in tandem with uh, uh, unions and such local unions. I, I, I believe so. Okay. Um, I think that there needs to be funding built into schools to be able to help with some of this for these apprenticeship programs. Oh, some of the programs. Yeah. yeah. They're and, teaching high school kids that yeah. it doesn't have to be just college, right? Yeah. And I was actually just at, so yesterday I went, um, had a few things after work, but yes, one of the ones is I stopped by the Waverly, um, middle school, high school robotics oh, team. Yes. Okay. Um, and, you know, I was talking to the teachers of the team and, you know, this is a great program where kids learn how to do CAD. They learn welding and all these like practical skills, but they get zero funding from the school. Uh-huh. And so it's all paid through by sponsors, which mm-hmm. there's luckily there's generous sponsors to help, but because the, they don't get the same funding that like the sports team at the school gets. But those are the kind of programs yes. where, you know, you know, a kid that might not, come from a family with a lot of money that can send them to engineering school or something and get a leg up because he can, you know, do the robotics team that's paid for by the school. And then, you know, learns skilled trades and maybe be able to go to school to yes. be an engineer or be able to go into an apprenticeship program after that. Um, and I, I was honestly shocked that they didn't receive funding from school. I would have thought that would be, you know, a super important yeah. program that sh- should receive funding. And that's where I think sometimes our gaps and what we do at the state level, and what happens, locally on you know, and at actual schools, we kind of like miss the mark 
Yes, yes. I just think it's crucial to have more vocational programs within um, tied into our uh, public school systems because there are other options beside taking um, just an academic route as far as career success. And those jobs are very important. They're uh, well compensated with with benefits and such, at least from from what I can excuse me from what I see. And they're looking for diverse talent and, and things. And I think, you know, I agree with you that's definitely an area that um you know should be cultivated should be mm-hmm. promoted and um i think that's one area where we can all uh i don't want to say untapped but i think there's so much more exploring we can do in regards to the trades and and vocational uh skills and, and such um i think about harry hill you know i went to i'm a graduate of sexton high school <clears throat> i went through lansing school district Um, for elementary, for middle school, and for high school. And I feel as though I had a very well-rounded education. I was in the music program. I was in the orchestra. I was able to go to Harry Hill, it was at the time, and um, learn about running a floral shop, Mm -hmm. learning uh, landscaping, greenhouse. So I always have that skill set in my pocket. And to this day, I plant a garden. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. you know. So I have that, and that has added to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you know that's what I'm thinking about, and, and so with your platform, yeah, what are the main areas that you you uh, focus on with your platform? Sure. So, like I kind of mentioned, the priori- prioritizing working families has been a big thing for okay. me. Okay. So, um, you know, education, but then it's also things like expanding. I think universal pre K in education, okay, so that you know lower yes. income people have that. You know, adva- I shouldn't call it advantage, but they have. I guess start at the same level as everybody else yes. because there's all these studies that show how important pre-K is. And of course, this is in the Lansing area. Well, we basically have universal pre-K, but most of the state's not like that. Yeah. Um, the Tri-County area is um, very unique in that aspect, mm-hmm. and I think that should be expanded everywhere. Um, part of my platform, you know, I did grow up on a small family farm, and Clinton County makes up a decent portion of the district, and mm-hmm. I think both parties have really done an appalling job taking care of farmers and our mm-hmm. rural communities as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the issues that both urban communities, rural communities face are the same issues. It's yes. transportation, access to health care, yes. good paying jobs. Sometimes it's just not as visible in these rural areas. And I want to try to be show the rural areas that, hey, you know, Democrats care about the issues that affect you. And I'm trying to be a voice for some of the farmers in the area as well. Michigan's economy, ag is the number two thing in Michigan's economy. Um, What's and, number one? Uh, I believe number one is tourism. Tourism. Um, and then manufacturing is number three. Okay, so it's number three. Yeah. And it, it and made a come, comeback somewhat. The, those two might be flipped. Yeah. Uh, ag, I think ag bounces between one and two. I don't know. It depends on who you ask, yeah. I think, and yeah. how you, yeah. <laughs> you decide. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I, but, look, I don't want to yeah. get too granular, but yeah, I, sure. I, I asked because I, I just, I'm like the queen of random facts. Oh, yeah. So one day I'll spew out, like, oh, you know, did you know that this is this and this? Yeah. I, I'd like, oh, yeah, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll look it up later yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. see. Yeah. But, um, you know, thank you for sharing that <laughs> with uh, with us. And, and you know, our time is growing near. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I always like to ask my guests if you can leave one thing with the people, because this is a platform for the people what would you say anything that you want to leave with with the the community sure um i would say that you know if i get elected you know i promise to always handle everything with humility and civility and honesty i think we've lost a lot of that in politics Mm -hmm. and everything i try to do i you know if i don't know the answer to something i'll tell you Mm -hmm. if i you know need help on something i'll tell you if i disagree with you i'll tell you and 
Um, I think we need honesty, and a lot of times politicians are, you know, will try to, you know, change their answer that if they think it will make you vote for them. And um, I want you to know what you're getting and who you're voting for. And if you don't like my policies, don't vote for me. You know, I still hope you go to the <laughs> polls and vote. I, we need more participation. Um, and I think that's important. But I also think humility is important. We shouldn't be electing people that just want to, you know, a job and want to make it a career. I'm only going to be doing this as long as I can be effective. Um, I have no long-term plans in politics. You know, if I can't, um, if I realize, you know, four years in, I'm not really making the difference, mm -hmm. um, then I'll go back and do my advocacy work for immigrants or, you know, for people in need because that's what I want to be doing yeah. is helping people. That's um, good. And that's my priority. In fact, um, kind of no matter what happens with the campaign, my long-term goal is to um, start, I want to start a nonprofit in the Lansing area doing sliding scale representation for people in removal oh, proceedings. Oh, very nice, very nice. Um, there's a lot of immigrants in the area and not a lot of rep representation. Um, so I know that's just, you know, kind of me. And um, I'm always an open book, always happy to answer questions. And I'm always happy to give people my direct line. People are usually shocked when I answer the phone and they're like, oh, I'm actually Would talking. you like to provide your sure, direct line? To. Okay, so so people, <laughs> if you have questions for Mr. Logan Byrne, Esquire, <laughs> yeah. you can give him a call. He's going to give you uh, give you those digits. Why don't you go ahead and take it away? Sure. It's, <laughs> my phone number is 810-627-3963. That's my cell phone. You can text me, call me, whatever. If I don't answer, I'm probably in court or something, but I'll call you back. This is the Sunday Chronicle. I am your host, Giannis Jackson, and I'm bringing you the community platform because community knows what community needs. Again, I want to thank you for being here today, and I'm going to ask you to make it a great day. See you next week. It is reported that the Sunday Chronicle reached out to candidate John Horford, who was unavailable for an interview segment before the airing of this show.